0: This morning we're reading from acts chapter 20 beginning in verse 17. from miletus paul sent to ephesus for the elders of the church when they arrived he said to them you know how i have lived the whole time i was with you from the first day i came into the province of asia i served the lord with great humility and tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Gentiles, Greeks, that they might, must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the, our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the spirit, I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the tasks the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I, am, I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance, inheritance, inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive when Paul had finished speaking he knelt down with all of them and prayed they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him what grieved them most was his statement that he would never they would never see his face again when they accompanied then they accompanied him to the ship.
1: thank you very much Debbie. Well, I think uh, one area where there is great confusion in the current church is over the role of a Christian leader. This is what uh, one author had to say about uh, church pastors. Uh, He wrote this around uh, 29 years ago, but it's still very true now. And this is from the book there on the screen called uh, Letters Along the Way uh, by authors called Carson and uh, Woodbridge. So they wrote The modern pastor is expected to be a preacher, counsellor, administrator, PR guru, fundraiser, and handholder. Depending on the size of the church he serves, he may also have to be an expert on youth, competent on a computer, something of an accountant, janitor, evangelist, small groups expert, an excellent chair of committees, a team player, and a transparent leader. Of course, his own home must be exemplary. And he should never appear tired or discouraged, since he must always be spiritual, prayerful, warm-hearted, and passionate, but unflappable." he should spend no fewer than 40 hours a week in sermon preparation, no fewer than 30 or 40 in counselling, at least 20 hours in regular visitation of his flock, another 15 in door-to-door evangelism, at least 20 in administration, another 10 in hospital calling, a further 10 to 40, depending on the area, in ministry to the poor and deprived, leaving about 50 for miscellaneous matters, especially if anyone wants to see him at any time of the day or the night. And then a neighbor will ask his wife, excuse me, I don't mean to be rude, but I'd really like to know, what does your husband do for the rest of the week, you know, uh, apart from his work on Sundays? (laughs) Well, you'll be very pleased to know that that has not been my experience uh, here at (laughs) Ambassador, (laughs) mercifully. Um, But this does raise the question, I think, um, for us, which is also raised in our scripture passage this morning, which is really, well, what ought to occupy a Christian leader, What ought a Christian leader to be doing with their time? What kinds of things should they be concerned about? What ought to occupy them? And that really brings us to our passage this morning, where we see Paul speaking to the elders of a church that he has planted at a place called Ephesus. Uh, This is actually an incredibly emotional passage, uh, as you probably picked up. Uh, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. He knows that he's never, ever going to see these Ephesian elders who he loves again. And what we have recorded for us here is his last words to them. This is is actually the longest speech that we have directed to Christians in the whole book of Acts. It's also the longest passage that we have on church leadership anywhere in the New Testament. And what we see here is that Paul really puts himself... um, forwards as a model of christian leadership for christian leaders to emulate both then uh, if you're an ephesian elder and of course now as well now i know that uh, many of us here this morning uh, won't be what we might call christian leaders or pastors or or elders of a church maybe although of course uh, there are some of us this morning that are in that kind of role And uh, um, some of the rest of us, we may be home group leaders, we may be a leader in youth group or in a Sunday club, uh, maybe. Uh, And we also, there may be some of you here, and you may well be Christian leaders uh, later on in your lives. And Christian leadership is certainly something uh, that if you're eligible, you ought to be aspiring to. And so some of the same principles will apply. However, even if you never ever end up in any church leadership role or in your entire life, this passage is still relevant for you. Uh, You need to know which Christian leaders are worth uh, following and which aren't. You need to know what church you should attend and hopefully join. You need to know how to pray for and support the leaders of that church. Uh, And so this is still uh, relevant for you as well. Uh, We're going to spend most of our time this morning in looking at the last section of the passage that was read for us. We're going to limit ourselves right down this morning just to verse uh, 28 to verse um, 35. And I think we see here three main concerns that ought to occupy the Christian leader. These, of course, aren't the only things that Christian leaders ought to actually be doing, but there are three things uh, that Paul specifically mentions to us this morning that uh, I think we can learn from So then, uh, number one, you see that a Christian leader ought to be concerned about wolves. So uh, over there, verse 28, uh, Paul says that Christian leaders are to keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you. Overseers be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And then uh, we see what these watchmen shepherds are meant to do in verse 29 to verse um, 31. So Paul says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. And so we see that a Christian leader is to watch out for wolves. Now, one of the problems that uh, we have when it comes to wolves in our culture here is uh, that we quite like wolves. Uh, wolves have sort of become a greater symbol of the wilderness, and they've actually become a creature that we want to conserve. Uh, one of the programs that uh, Joshua and I like watching is called You Versus Wild with a, a guy called Bear Grills. And uh, some of you may have seen the episode where Bear Grylls comes uh, uh, face-to-face with a wolf. However, the wolf that he meets is so obviously a tame wolf. It's sort of wagging its tail, and the worst thing that it could probably do is actually slaver on you. Uh, But that's not the sort of wolf that we are talking about here and that Paul's talking about here. In the ancient world, wolves were greatly to be feared. Uh, They could occasionally attack people, of course, and they could destroy a flock of um, sheep, which was many people's livelihood, in minutes. Sheep were defenseless against wolves, and so would be destroyed by them. Uh, We see that the uh, savage wolves that Paul is talking about here are actually false teachers. Uh, We can see that there in verse 30, where Paul says that even from your own number, men will arise. What will they do? They will distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. And so there's a couple of things we can note here. Um, First of all, we see that although false teaching can come in from outside of the church, uh, it can also rise up from the inside as well. guess the alarming thing here is that Paul says that even from your own number, that men may arise and distort the truth. This is one reason why churches like Ambassador have a plurality of elders, why we don't just have one pastor or one elder, but we have a plurality of pastors and elders. Each elder, therefore, needs to not just be watching over themselves, they also need to be watching over the other uh, elders as well. Then we also see here that false teaching often involves a distortion of the truth. This reminds us that very often false teaching does not outright deny the truth, but rather false teaching distorts the truth. It twists it. It can be hard to spot. It it twists it uh, to fit in with what people want to hear, maybe. Uh, It maybe takes one particular doctrine and then overemphasizes it uh, at the expense of some other doctrine. Uh, And so people are led astray and away from Christ. And uh, all of this leads to Paul's great exhortation there in verse um, 31. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. And so Christian leaders are to be on their guard. Um, Why are we to be on our guard? Well, one reason is because wolves are so dangerous, uh, as we've just seen. But then another reason that we see in these verses is because the sheep are so precious. I wonder if you noticed that from verse 31. 28, uh, that we looked at uh, a couple of moments ago, right at the end, it says, Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Um, maybe you've had the experience looking after somebody's pet um, while they've been away on holiday. Uh, well, I, if so, I guarantee that you probably looked after their pet really well because you didn't want anything to uh, happen to the pet uh, while they were gone. It's exactly the same here. Uh, Christian leaders are to care for the flock because of who it belongs to. It is the church of God. And then just notice here how valuable the flock is. It says that the flock was paid for in Jesus' own blood. I think that's what it means at the end of verse 28, where Paul says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. That could actually also be translated and probably more accurately translated as bought with the blood of his own So it's saying church of God that he bought with the blood of his own, referring to his own son, um, Jesus Christ's blood. But either way, Paul is saying that the church is valuable because of who it belongs to. It belongs to God. And the church is also so valuable because of how much was paid for it. What a great cost. It was redeemed and bought back through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ when he laid down his life on the cross for us. And so Paul says, therefore, that Christian leaders are to be on their guard. They're to watch out for wolves. Well, what does this mean for us this morning? Well, one obvious application, I think, is that we need to be in a flock. If you're an isolated sheep roaming around out on some hillside somewhere, it is much easier for a wolf to pick you off than if you're a part of a flock which is being watched over by a shepherd. So it's important to be a member of a local church. Uh, One principle that we see all the way through the New Testament is that church leaders are to know who they are accountable for. And so let me ask you, are there church leaders here in Hong Kong who know you? Who is it who is watching over your spiritual life? And then have you realized that church leaders are actually evidence of God's love for you? In the culture around us, I guess, we see much skepticism about leadership. Uh, We're programmed to be skeptical about authority, uh, whether that's uh, political authority or even church authority. Uh, We tend to be wary of all leaders, uh, including leaders, among God's people. But we need to remember that godly leadership is actually one of God's good gifts to his people God doesn't just stand on the sidelines, out on the edge, as far as his church is concerned. uh, But God is actively concerned about his church. Um, And one of the ways that God shows his concern for his church is that he raises up uh, shepherds and elders to watch over the church and to protect it from wolves. Now we can see one of the qualifications for elders there in um, Titus 1 verse 9, where Paul says he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So we must pray for church leaders. We must pray for church leaders here. We must pray for church leaders throughout Hong Kong who are able to teach the truth of God's word and to recognize what is wrong. Of course, church leaders won't always faithfully fulfill their responsibilities, but where they do, they are a great gift from God. The ministry of the elders provides a sort of protective umbrella that guards the entire flock and protects it from being led astray. So then, um, Christian leaders are to be concerned about wolves, but then we also see here that they're to be concerned about another category of people as well, which is the weak Christian leaders have to be tough because they need to deal with the wolves. But Christian leaders also need to be gentle because they need to care for the weak. You can see this there in verse 35, where Paul says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I must confess, to you that i had never seen this in this passage until comparatively uh, recently until i happened to notice this phrase online the weak and the wolves and i looked at this passage again uh, through slightly new eyes paul makes a specific point here that christian leaders are to be concerned about those who are weak again he uses his own ministry as a model for us so in verse um, 33, he says that he hasn't coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing, so Christian leaders are not to covet. Then in verse 34, he says, "You, you yourselves know that these hands of mine, uh, referring to his own hands, have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions." Now you can see some hands there on the screen. I remember that a few weeks ago we saw that Paul was a tent maker by trade. And I think we can imagine him here holding out his hands and showing the Ephesian elders his hands. Maybe they were calloused perhaps from many, many hours of manual labor. Maybe they were stained from the dye of the leather or the cloth that he used to use to make tents. Paul's point was that he wasn't a burden on anyone while he was with them, but he worked really hard. Why? Both to supply his own needs and the needs of his companions, but also so that he was able to help the weak. As he says there in verse um, 35, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. And Paul goes on to say that his motivation for this was none other than the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive those words aren't recorded for us in any of the four gospels that we have in the new testament but yet they were obviously genuine and authentic words of christ which had been handed down by word of mouth but jesus is really saying there is a blessing in giving it's more blessed to give than to receive there is a blessing in giving to those who are weak even if they are totally unable to ever pay you back in this present life it's more blessed to give than to receive Again, I think there's a couple of lessons for us this morning. Uh, Number one is that Christian leaders are not to be in it for themselves. So you might think of those terrible cases of abuse, perhaps, where so-called Christian leaders have preyed on the weak or the vulnerable for their own ends, uh, building their own empire, if you like, at the expense of um, somebody else and uh, seeking to exploit them financially, perhaps, or maybe in other ways. We certainly need to be warned about those things, Uh, We might also think here of some of the less obvious ways that this often happens. Uh, And so we might think of the Christian leader who basically just views the church as a sort of a showcase for his own talents, perhaps, or maybe they just view their current ministry as a stepping stone to a much larger church or a more senior role, and they don't really care about the sheep, especially the weak sheep, uh, where they are currently at. Or maybe we're in ministry and we just like all the applause and the love that we feel from other people when we do it. Actually, if we're honest, uh, that's our real motivation for getting involved. Well, Paul's clear here that Christian leaders are not to be in it for themselves, but rather are to be willing to help the weakest sheep Uh, As Peter says over in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2 and 3, "...against Christian leaders be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock." So again, Peter, like Paul, is uh, warning church leaders against dishonest gain. Uh, He says instead they're to be eager to serve, not lording it over other people, but rather being examples to the flock, um, like Paul was here. If you're trying to evaluate Christian leaders, I think any good diagnostic test is surely, how do they treat the weak? How do they treat the weak? Do they treat them like Jesus did, or do they merely regard them as um, stepping stones uh, to stand on uh, to get ahead? So we see that Christian leaders are not to be in it for themselves. Uh, We also see here that Christian leaders are to have a special concern for the weak. You know, there can sometimes be a great danger of Christian ministries just catering to those who are strong. So those from a particular class, maybe, or a particular income level, perhaps, or a particular educational level, or maybe those who they think will uh, later on have more potential or more influence. But again, we see here that that's not what Paul's ministry was like. Rather, Paul ministered to those who were weak. He worked hard with his hands to benefit those who were weak. And I really hope this is an encouragement to some of you here this morning. Something not want to... Um, anyone but I feel that the uh, leaders of this church generally and some of the rest of you as well in the congregation really do care for the weak amongst us in incredible ways I'm not going to mention names but I think this is an an area of our church life where we see not just the leaders but actually many many people in the congregation as well are really really caring for those who are weak amongst us Uh, and that's a really wonderful thing Uh, I think here, in context, it's primarily the physically weak or the economically weak who are in view. But of course, elsewhere in the New Testament, we see that church leaders should also have a special concern for those who are spiritually weak. Maybe those who have doubts, maybe those who are struggling with different temptations, perhaps. So maybe they are emotionally or mentally weak, maybe. And so maybe one good diagnostic question that we need to be continually asking ourselves as God's people as a church is, well, are we a church that cares for the weak? Are we a church that has space for the weak? Or do we really only want to cater for those who are strong and uh, influential or great, perhaps, in the eyes of the world? And then maybe you are here this morning and you would very definitely place yourself in the category of somebody who was weak. I guess we are all actually weak in our own different ways and we all have our struggles. But maybe you are weak in some particular way. Maybe you feel that's economically. Maybe you feel you are weak spiritually. Maybe you feel you are weak in some other way. But whatever it is, we want you to know that you are welcome here and that there is space for you here. We know that we won't be perfect as a local church, but we do want you to know that you belong and that there is space here for you. It may be that you won't always um, feel that, perhaps, but we do want that to be true. We want to be a church that follows in Jesus' footsteps by caring for and helping the weak. Then there's one last concern for Christian leaders in these verses, which is the Word. And so a Christian leader who's worth emulating is also one who preaches the Word. So we see that Paul's confidence is in God and his word when we come to verse 32. Paul, you remember, knows that he won't ever see the Ephesians again, but yet he can be confident that God will be with them, and so he commits them to God and the word of his grace. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. And so we see here what God's word is. It is the word of grace. That means it is the word about God's grace. The Bible is filled with God's grace. The grand theme of God's word from beginning to end is really God's plan of salvation. How unworthy sinners like us can come to know a holy God through no merit of our own, but only through God's great grace as it's expressed to us through Jesus' death on the cross. And we see what God's word is, it's the word of grace. And we also see here what God's word actually does. And then we see that God's word builds up. As Paul leaves these Ephesian elders for the very last time, he can be confident about their future because he's committing them to God's word, which he knows will build them up. God's word is what brings life and health to the church. Uh, just like we need physical food to be physically healthy So we need spiritual food in order to be spiritually healthy. We need God's word. The regular exposition of God's word is what builds a church up and leads to lasting health. So God's word builds up. God's word also sustains. I think that's what it means right at the end there when it says that the word can give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It's really just saying that it is the word that will keep us going until we reach glory. It's not just that the word starts off your Christian life, that we're saved by the word, or even that the word builds us up in our Christian life, but it's also that God's word is what sustains us. So we'll keep each of us going on the Christian journey until we reach our inheritance in heaven that God has stored up for us. It is the word that sustains. And so the job of a Christian leader, the job of a Christian shepherd, according to Paul, is to feed the sheep he leads them to green pastures where they can be fed and nourished what could be more nourishing to god's people than the eternal word of god just like green grass maybe if you are a sheep it's as we're taught the bible that the church is built up the church is warned against false teaching and the sheep grow strong and are sustained And so I really do think this is a great lesson for us this morning. Do we give hearing God's word the truth, uh, sorry, the priority that it really deserves in our lives? Uh, I came across a story this last week where a pastor was uh, sharing how he watched a documentary about a leading scientist in the UK who had spent her whole life studying the mutations of a particular um, virus. In the end, as a result of her work, she'd been given permission to pioneer a new treatment amongst some terminally ill patients. And the results of her work were hailed by the documentary as being truly miraculous, prolonging the lives of people who would have otherwise died. And this pastor who was writing knew this woman well as she was a member of his church. And so when he next um, saw her, he congratulated her on the wonderful documentary that had been about her. He said uh, how satisfying it must be to devote your career to doing something that has accomplished uh, so much good uh, for so many people. However, it was her response that really surprised him. Because she said, what I do isn't really all that important. But what you do, that's really important. She was saying that she thought that um, preaching God's word was more important than making a life-extending contribution to medical science. Now, we need to be clear, of course, that we're not saying that a pastor is more important than anyone else. So we all have a part to, to play as we use our gifts. But actually, I think what that woman had realized, surely, was the supreme value of God's word. She realized that at the end of the day, it is God's word that brings people to Christ in a uh, life-saving, life-giving relationship with him for all eternity. It's God's word that guards his people against uh, wrong um, things and um, false teaching. It's God's word that equips us and sustains us as we take care of the weak. It, It equips us. It's God's word that builds us up and keeps us going on our spiritual journey until we go to be with god forever and ever so what could be possibly more important than hearing god's word each week and therefore we need pastors and church leaders who are able to give themselves to the study and preaching of god's word a christian leader who is worth following is one who preaches god's word so then We've seen this morning that a Christian leader is to have three concerns. Uh, They are to have more concerns than that, surely. I'm sure Um, some of those things on that big long list that we started off with were really useful. But there are three main concerns uh, highlighted for us here. They're to be concerned about wolves, uh, they're to be concerned about the weak, and they're to be concerned about God's word. And as they do each of these things, our church leaders will follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. When we come to the Gospels, of course, we see that Jesus warned his hearers about wolves. We see that Jesus cared for the weak. Uh, We see that Jesus preached God's word wherever he went. And then he also lived out his own words, of course, when he said that it's more blessed to give than to receive, because Jesus actually gave his life for us uh, on the cross. And so Christian leaders are to be those who are like Jesus. If Jesus is the chief shepherd, then Christian leaders, if you like, are to be his under-shepherds. They are to be responsible for the flock that he paid for with his own blood. And then you may be here this morning, and you may be someone who's in some measure of Christian leadership already, or maybe you aspire to Christian leadership later on in your life, and you're thinking, well, all of this surely just sounds so impossible. You're thinking, well, how could I ever measure up? I'm not sure that I'd ever be able to watch out for wolves or really care truly for those who are weak. And it is easy, surely, to feel discouraged and overwhelmed. But we need to remember that we're watching over Christ's flock and Christ himself has promised to be with us and equip us and give us everything we need. And then, of course, Jesus is also the leader that all of us here this morning need in our lives. What other leader has ever loved you like Jesus has? Your manager at work, uh, your favorite YouTube personality, any politician you could name, your favorite musician, maybe they are not going to love you like Jesus has. They aren't going to lay down their lives for you, but that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done for you when he laid down his life for you on the cross. And so we can always come to Jesus with confidence, knowing that he loves us and he cares for us. As we were singing a few minutes ago, he is gentle, he is lowly, he delights to bring us peace. Tender shepherd, mighty savior, rest in him. What is stopping you from coming to Jesus this morning? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we... um, Think about those uh, wonderful words there on the screen. He is gentle, he is lowly, he delights to bring us peace. Tender shepherd, mighty saviour, rest in him. Father, we just want to give thanks for the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks that he is the ultimate leader, that he is the leader who loves us and laid down his life for us on the cross. Father, we give thanks for this passage that speaks to us so clearly about uh, Christian leadership. We give thanks for the Apostle Paul and the example that he was Uh, We want to give thanks for Jesus. Uh, We pray for those of us who are leaders that we might emulate him. And we pray for all of us that we would be those who um, support and pray for our church leaders, whoever they may be this morning, and that we would be faithful followers of Christ. And uh, we ask all of these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.